Welcome back to Podman Out. And I know it's been a hot minute since we've come out with an episode. It's been a while since we've talked to you. But there is a reason for that, and we'll get into it in a second. We'll give you that explanation. But right after a quick word from our sponsors. Fantastic! So, like we said, we'd give you an explanation of why we have not done an episode in over a month. So, uh, it's been a while. Let me paint you a word picture. It's a dreary Sunday evening. Right after Halloween. It technically is Halloween day. And I lie in my bed at night. With the sorest of throats. I and I will lie in my bed with the sorest of throats. And I lie there contemplating life in existence, wondering... Dear heavens, what have I done to deserve this sore throat? And then, I wake up in the morning, and I'm feeling like P. Diddy. (laughs) I'm sorry. So, I wake up in the morning, and my throat is still absolutely fucking killing me. So, I'm like, wow, I ought to get this checked out. So, I go to get it checked out, and sure as hell, I have pneumonia and COVID. So... Gotta pack my bags, you know, uh, head back home, quarantine. I'm there for 10 days. I get back, and then I'm like, all right, you know, sweet, like, back, we can do some pot, some of the episodes of the pod. But then Caleb's, you know, got practice, he's got basketball, he's got games, so it's been, and we've got homework and everything, you know, and the semester coming up for college and uh, high school, too, I guess grade school, you know, I'm not going to leave anyone out, but... We've been busy, and then, like, on the weekends, we would have maybe had a chance, but I had to go home, like, multiple weekends in a row because I went to a Mizzou-Florida football game with my main man, Gonzo, and then also went home for Thanksgiving break the following week. So now here we are. It's been over a month, and uh, I guess we're going to get back into pumping out some episodes. Yeah. Um, While Troy was sick, I was also sick. I didn't have COVID. Crazy thing is, I thought I did. Every doctor thought I did. But I tested negative six times in a week. And it's got to be some sort of record. I know. Something. But, uh, yeah, I was sick. I was out all week of practice. and it took a little bit to get back into it. But since I've we've both been healthy, my season started up. We played, what, seven games? Eight games if you count. Illinois State. True. Um, not going to get into all that yet, um, but yeah, glad to be back on the pod. For sure. So, like we said, it has been a while, and with that, we are able to reflect on some of the things that we talked about in our last podcast. For instance, we made our predictions for the World Series. Now, that has long been done, and we are past the MLB award presentations, and we are well into free agency. So... Also, with the NBA, we made a few awards predictions, um, team championship predictions. So that gives us time, or we're going to be able to reflect on that in this episode. Yeah, let's uh, let's kick it off with our World Series predictions, and boy, were we wrong. I got the six games part right, not the team that won. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You, you talk about this because you're more knowledgeable on the topic than I. Um... I just, 
I don't know. The Braves had been just, it seemed like they were just carried by two or three dudes every series up to that point, and their pitching was not spectacular. And then they just found a way, man. And their, their lineup, man, in that uh, in the World Series. Is, is, is what it, they say? It, they really proved my point that this Braves lineup fucks. It doesn't. Not even my point. That's I didn't come up with that. But this Braves lineup fucked past tense seasons over. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Rosario is that guy. Not in the World Series, he wasn't. Neither was Jordan. But I mean, Jorge Soler was that guy. Jorge Soler was. um, Freddie Freeman was that guy. The Braves were that guy Mm -hmm. all throughout the series. Um, Someone would have asked me heading into the series. Troy, put them, they put a microphone up my face. Troy Schrader, are the Braves like that? And I would have said, quite simply, no, I don't think the Braves are like that. And they proved me wrong. It was a good series. I mean, as an Astros hater, um, I was very happy to see I also lose. was very delighted to see the Astros lose. Yeah. Always a good day when you see the Astros losing. Spectacular. So, uh, now... Getting into our NBA predictions from from the first episode, um, Caleb has definitely made some better picks than I have. Uh, I mean, I, if I remember correctly, I predicted that Steph Curry was going to be the MVP, and right now he is certainly looking like it. Yeah, uh, my prediction was Joel Embiid, and while Joel Embiid has not played up to his normal standards, he has missed quite a few games. I believe due to COVID. I think, he, I don't even remember how many games in a row he missed, but it was a lot. And if you look at our team predictions for who's going to win the championship, you picked the Warriors, correct? I did. And they are sitting at the top of the conference, top of the NBA, 15 actually. 15 and 3 or 15 and 2? They're 18-2. 18-2, dang. They're 9-1 in their last 10. One of their losses is coming to the Hornets. So, just to prove, LaMelo Ball... I knew you were going to say that. Dangerous. And my prediction for the championship was the Lakers. Now, granted, they have not been able to gel together because, or the way that we might have expected because it was the beginning of the year. It takes a little bit to get that team chemistry. LeBron has been out, so that's huge. Um, but the Lakers are 11 and 11. They're sitting at the seven spot in the Western Conference. So it's not looking spectacular, especially because LeBron just tested positive for COVID, so he's going to be out for at least 10 days. But I think if they can all get on the same page and LeBron is able to stay healthy the rest of the year, I think that they're going to be a solid team. Uh, Yeah, like you said, I think they just got to gel. I think they got a lot to figure out. And as we talked about Russell Westbrook the last time as the pod man out, which we'll mention later, we're doing a little different this time around. Um, we'll continue to change it up, but I'm going to say it again. I don't think he's a great fit there. Um, many will disagree with me. I just, I'm not a huge Russell Westbrook fan. I just don't see him fitting in with LeBron's play style and AD and Melo coming off the bench. He's actually been pretty big for them this year. And you want to know who a piece everyone thought was going to be big? Taylor Horton Tucker. Everyone was like, watch out for Taylor Horton Tucker, THT, he's underrated as hell. 
and he comes into the season injured, and they're like, oh, well, when THT comes back, watch out for the Lakers. He comes back in that first game. He puts up 17 on 50% shooting. The next team puts up 28 on 47, then 25 on 50%. And then he quite literally fell off of a cliff and then got run over by a car and then by a bus, too. And then found out, fell down another cliff. Mm-hmm. He put up two points the next game, 0 for 6 from the field. His only points are off free throws. Eight points a game after that, 4 of 13. Zero points, 0 of 8 from the field. Eight points, 3 of 10 from the field. 7, 3 of 5 from the field, that's not bad. And then most recently, 12 points on 4 of 10. So, three first three games, just smoldering. Absolutely killing it. And then, looks like someone doused his fire. But, uh, I got uh, Steph Curry stats here. Not to take away from THT or what you were going on. But this man is quite literally... Showing why he should be MVP up to this point of the season. I mean, we're seeing prime Curry form again here, I think. Like, this man is doing the unbelievable. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I saw a stat today that it was like, when he's shooting from deep and has a con- a defender within four feet of him, he's shooting a higher percentage off of those shots than he is completely uncontested. Yes. This makes no sense. He's not human. Um saw a tweet about Del Curry. They were showing the stats between Steph and Steph and, uh, and Seth shooting threes, their percentages this year. Mm-hmm. Someone said that Steph, or that Dell's DNA has got to be worth a cool mill. And that is an understatement. I, I heard someone say he was LeVar Ball before LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball. No one's quite like LeVar. But no, but like... I feel like Dell definitely manifested them being in the NBA. I'm not saying he was going on talk shows like, my son's better than Michael Jordan. My son's better than the reigning MVP. Much of saying that he was better than Michael Jordan, which he's, in his career, like... Dell Curry can say that more than LeVar can. Exactly. He, that, but. Yes, a lot more. I'm, but still not even on the level. Um, but yeah, it's... You ever seen that video uh, from... Um, their show was it Ball and the Family? Is that what it was called? Yeah, I thought so. Um, I couldn't remember the name for a second, but that that one episode where they're all hooping together, they got like a big, they're doing like a scrimmage or whatever. Lavar's playing, and he's just doing <laughs> like he's just yucking shots and like he's airballing, firing bricks off the backboard. He's trying to go like behind the back and dribbling it off his feet, going out of bounds. I mean, I'm not gonna say I was expecting Lavar to go out there and put up 65 points. I mean, like what? A, <laughs> He's like 50 years old, 60. I don't even know how the hell how old Lavar is, but like, I just was not expecting him to be like that bad, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I expected him to be that bad. <laughs> but against like, sure, he was going against like Lonzo and Lamelo and Leangelo, like NBA players. I mean, Leangelo's not, but like, you he's gotta, in the G League. Yeah, in the G League, but like, he was going against like fucking Demo. Like, that's just their friend. Like, this guy doesn't <laughs> even hoop. I'm sure he hoops somewhere. He had to have. There's no way that he's just going to be in that family not knowing anything about basketball. Well, he probably knows about basketball. Like, I didn't hoop, not, but, like, I know about basketball. Oh, you have some experience in basketball. Yeah, in grade school, rocking the knee pads and <laughs> putting up a solid .6 points a game. Yeah. It was... We, we gave you the work in grade school. Except your, uh, your seventh grade year. Like, are you talking varsity or... Yeah. Oh, yeah, our team was nice. 
my seventh grade year. You guys were undefeated, weren't you? Yeah, you know me, yeah, bench tough. mafia, no big deal, just out there hey, cheering yeah. on all the older dudes. Everyone's a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, that's for sure. But, next segment, yeah, uh, since that, since that first episode has come out, college sports, college football's already going on, but college basketball, well underway now. We are, how, seven, eight games in for most teams. Yeah, so... We're going to go ahead and uh, talk about that then. Uh, yeah. Was, so this past weekend, Duke played Gonzaga in basketball. Yes, we did. Now, and may I say how excited I am and was to watch that. And, I mean, I'm not one for ranking, like being high on rankings, but to see Duke climb to that one spot after last year being kicked out of the top 25, like, it's a good feeling. Must have it nice. Yeah. I can't... Uh, I'm a Duke fan. Most of y'all back home probably know that. Um, Troy got the short end of the stick once again with West Virginia basketball. I'd hardly say it was the short end of the stick. There are definitely shorter ends, but I got the most average stick out there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was an unintentional joke. Uh, still true, though. Alright, y'all. Um, we needed a uh, second to compose ourselves after that one. Uh, that was a joke that was unintentional. And if you know me, that is not a part of my character. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself in thinking of myself as a man of faith, as there's a drive into deep left field by Kyle Kanata. It will be a home run, and so I will make it a corner of the bracket. All jokes aside, though, I actually did not make to mean that. I did not mean to make that joke, but yeah. <laughs> when I'm, what I meant was that there are worse programs out there, and there are better programs out there. West Virginia is average to above average. And uh, above average is a stretch. But if you, you think I, I know there, you there are I know. a lot of programs out there, being Power 5, you, you're almost bound to be above average unless you fucking suck like Rutgers or something. But Or Rice. Rice isn't Power 5. I know. That's, I just associate those two. But, yeah, you know, West Virginia's been solid this year. Had a bad loss to Marquette. Lost it in the second half. Had some decent games, though. Uh, Tash Sherman, you know, putting points in. Tough shot taker, tough shot maker, baby. Same with Sean McNeil. Uh, really like Malik Curry. Dude's insanely quick. I think an underrated shooter. Solid defender. Gives a lot of effort. I really like him. Dude is a embodiment of... The West Virginia mentality. Um, just beat Bellarmine tonight. Kind of waxed. So let me see what the final score was. Got the notification right here. 74 to 55. It's not like it's anything ridiculous. It's Bellarmine. It's only their second year in the... Or being D1. So, I mean, you know. How about, uh, before I get into talking about Duke and the amazing start that we've gotten off to, um, I just want to shout out a uh, recent transfer from Shut the hell up. from Shut West up. Virginia, uh, Oscar Sheboy, having a great year at Kentucky. Um, I think that says mountains about the West Virginia program. No, it doesn't. And th- this man... Are you talking about the quality of players that we produce, or are you talking about how I'm, I'm talking they about reach how... their potential after they leave? Exactly. This is the latter, for sure. Um, this man, I mean, first game of the season versus Duke, 
I don't even know how many rebounds. It was like this guy twenty had. rebounds. You're acting like he didn't put up twenty rebound games at West Virginia. It's just cooler because he's at Kentucky. It's not just cooler, but he's playing better competition. He's playing the best teams in the country. Okay, and he wasn't playing the best teams in the country in the Big no. Twelve. Yeah, he was. Like who? Like, um, whenever Big Big O was there, we played. Uh, it might have been the year before you got there, but I know we played Tennessee when they were the number one team in the nation. They had Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. They have we have other teams in the Big Twelve, such as Kansas, who is always the top team in the program. Uh, Oklahoma has been decent in the past years. Oklahoma State last year with Cade Cunningham. The Big Twelve is not some chump conference. I know. I'm just saying. It's to me, it's more impressive. First game is a Kentucky Wildcat. That is impressive. First game there, but and he's the thing is he's continued that so far. Yeah, but against like, who? Who's Kentucky played since then? Let's take a look here. I'll go ahead and look at their game log. They played Robert Morris, Mount St. Mary's. Crap. Crap. Ohio. Crap. University of Albany. Crap. North Florida. Crap. And Central Michigan. Crap. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to discount the fact that he is averaging 20 points a game, but they're winning all these games by 40 points. The best team they played is Ohio. And, I mean, Ohio has received, like, one vote in this most in this most recent AP poll. So, I mean, I guess that says something that someone thinks they're a top 25 team out there. But they took a big, fat dookie on their chest. They beat them by 18 points. It was a fucking blowout. They're they're playing not good teams. I guess that's fair. But uh, all I'm saying is Duke gets a lot of slack because it's Coach K's last season. They think they're making it easy for him to win a bunch of games. Like, we're 7-0 right now. But Kentucky's doing – every major blue blood D1 school does the same thing that Kentucky does and that Duke does. They schedule a tough game at the beginning of the year for ratings and then a bunch of dookie teams to boost their ratings before they go into conference. Yes, play. like they quite literally are paying these schools to pay them, to play them. Like this Division II school, this Winston-Salem State, I'm pretty sure they won the national title last year. Could be wrong, but I know for a fact that Duke is paying them money to play them. They like bankroll the entire program. They're like, yeah, we'll give you like a cool mill to come play us and just get your shit stomped. I don't know if it's a get- mill. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of money. money. It is a lot of money. A lot of money. I don't know if, if it's less money in basketball, but it's. I feel like in football, like when Alabama's playing, like, just the sisters of the poor, I feel like they're paying them Yeah, I'm pretty sure they money. tried to schedule Bishop, Bishop Sycamore this year. <laughs> Trying to get some money. But uh, as we were um, saying, Duke and Gonzaga played. Um, potential number one overall pick, Chet Holmgren um, versus Paulo Manchero. And what I got out of it is, I mean, Paulo had 20 first-half points. I don't know what was his injury or issue, but didn't really play a whole lot in the second half, had one point. But when him and Chet were going neck-to-neck, I think Paulo is that man. I think he's the number one overall pick. I think if you had them go playing one-on-one for the overall pick, I think that Chet probably loses that one-on-one game with Paulo. But that's just for the fact that Paulo is strong, can finish at the rim, and Chet is. Seven I weigh more than top. Chet. Yeah, how how much? How tall is Chet? Seven foot, seven one. He's like seven foot, seven one, and he weighs he's a he's, whopping uh, one hundred ninety five pounds. Yeah, like come on, I'm six foot three, and I weigh five pounds less than that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's definitely room for him to fill out. Just take a look at KD. Take a look at Giannis. More Giannis. I mean, KD really wasn't. Rudy Gobert. These dudes, it shows that he can fill out, but 
I think his first year in the league defensively might be he's a little bit tough on. because, yeah, he's just going to get picked on. <clears throat> They're going to put him in ball screens, force either force a switch, or <clears throat> if they play drop coverage, then basically they're just going to bury him. I mean, they know he is skilled, but they also but his know physicals that his aren't a f- number one pick to me. They know that his frame. I think is not, so. You say his frame is not a number one pick to you. That is KD's exact frame, and KD is going to go down as one of the KD, greatest players in NBA history. I know, but he hasn't showed that he can score like KD can. KD's no one can score like KD. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But Chet Holmgren is also. KD is also 240 pounds. But KD was not 240 pounds when he got drafted. Take a look at KD when he was at Texas. He's not. Okay, well, I don't think you're going to find like those. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you've seen pictures of him at Texas. He's tiny. But he's not 195 pounds. He, I don't, he might not even been that. Like, I mean, it's tough to be KD. Like, we're going to, uh, that's obvious. He could. Yeah, he couldn't even bench 185 at the combine. Like, this dude just was not very big. Neither is Chet. But Chet showed that he can score like anybody else can. He's shooting, I think, 50% from the three-point line this year and, like, 70% from the field. Like, he's shooting just in, with insane efficiency while also being, like, an elite rim protector. I see. I see what you mean. Um, it's hard to compare anyone to KD. He's the closest we have to KD in college basketball right now. That's true. Is according to frame and physicality, I think. I think Bantero could be an equivalent to KD as well. I mean, six ten. Obviously, he's more muscular and probably not as skilled as KD was. Do they play similar play styles? If he wants to, he can. I really believe that. Okay, but there's a difference between actually playing like that and wanting to play like that because some I, people, some people want to play like KD but can't. But I'm I mean, saying I know you're saying, I see you're saying he can, but he doesn't. Chet does more than Paolo does. True. Um, I don't know. It's hard. Like I said, hard to compare different players to KD because we all know what KD is today. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I thought it was a good matchup. The original spread was, what, Gonzaga minus nine. And Duke ended up winning by three. Um, Duke, Duke shot 30% from three-point line, um, 46% total from the field. And Gonzaga shot 28% from three, 53% from the field, and 63% from the line. You want to know who I think is going to be a stud? In the NBA? Or this period? Period. I think he will be a stud in the NBA, but Jaden Ivey. I mean, uh, that's not like some, like, oh my gosh, this guy found some just un... Just un-fucking... I don't even know. Like, he's some just hidden gem or whatever, diamond in the rough, but Jaden Ivey is good. Purdue is a good basketball team. Jaden Ivey was giving UNC the work yes. when they played that game. He shot 8 of 17, just a tad bit under 50%. 22 points, 10 boards, 6 assists at 6'4". Yeah. It's... I, um, so I did punch some numbers, and it turns out this guy's good at basketball. Yeah. Like, just... I Right now he's a top five projected NBA lottery pick. 
Yeah. Um, there's not much more you can say. This guy's had a great season so far. And back, like going back, I'm not even going to get into our little comparison between Chet and Paulo and whatnot. But it is really early in the season. Um, guys have a lot of time to progress and show us what they can bring to a team as far as skill set and honestly just being I think an underrated factor is what kind of teammate they are because people talk about all these stats and obviously you have to have that but I think what says what shows about a true NBA player and like is what type of teammate they are because they're gonna have to make that adjustment and jump that to make that jump to the league and I know you're probably going to say a lot of guys are known as being, like, cancerous in the locker room or whatnot. But, I mean, if you look at the Heat right now, they, Jimmy Butler is known to be, like, a bad teammate. And everyone on the Heat says that's not true. I don't go on a bit of a tangent. don't really mean to. I'm just saying I think what kind of teammate you are plays into the player you will be in the NBA. I, I agree, but I don't think it's as big of a factor as you might be saying it is. Okay. Like t- like D'Angelo Russell, dude was good in college. Ohio State was good that year. He gets drafted to the Lakers. He comes in and immediately makes an enemy with everyone on his team because he out he outed um, Swaggy P. P. Yeah, with Iggy, he snitched on him. Everyone immediately hates him. And now you look at deloading. I mean, he's had some injuries recently, but he was an all star. Like, dude is solid. And I feel like if he didn't get those injuries, he could be better than what he is. And granted, that's speculation. But look at him. People, did, people in the locker room, his first however many years, didn't like him. But people knew that D-Loading could hoop. I agree. That's fair. <clears throat> um, one more person I'd like to point out. I mean, this. I don't know if any of you guys have heard the name Armand Franklin. But transfer from uh, Indiana University to Virginia. And I think this guy's nice. I don't know how he's going to be projected in the future or whatnot. But I think he's nice. I have played against him, and he did give me the business and did dunk all over me when I was 15, and he was 17. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This guy's just been big for Virginia this year. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's just – I've just been impressed with him so far. He's a junior – um, game high, <coughs> excuse me, game high in points is 23. Looks like he had a game against Georgia. Yeah, he played really well versus Georgia. And honestly, that's probably one of the better teams they've played this year. Um, they played Iowa as well. And then some more. They played Coppin State, Providence, Lehigh, Redford. Navy, Radford. They lost to Navy, bro? Come yes. on. I know. That's, <laughs> it was ridiculous. But not they gave Providence the work. I think it's Providence. Providence, yeah. But, like, Providence No, no was, I wasn't, like, correcting your enunciation. I oh, was I just saying you. it's Providence. Like, who doesn't give them the work? But we were, well, I was watching the game, and, I mean, Providence, they, they looked good coming out, and then Virginia just stomped on them. I feel like that's kind of what happens, though. Like, in the second half, when you see, like, it, when you see an upset-minded team like that leading at half, the, the team that's supposed to win, that's not the underdog, goes into the second half and annihilates them, or they go in and then just the second, like, the underdog team just stays ahead the whole time, and it's just like, shit, 
Like, you never really see, like, I feel like you never really see it go back and forth. It's just, like, one or the other. Like, they get crapped on in the second half, or they just keep their lead. That's fair. But enough about college hoops. Um, Going to move on to, uh, to college football. Um, new rankings came out tonight. Uh, Michigan jumps up three spots after their enormous win over Ohio State. I'm not saying that they absolutely annihilated them. The, I mean, it was 42-27, to 15-point game, so two scores. But, well, you know, I guess it could be. Never mind. You, you get what I'm saying. But that was, that was huge for Michigan in terms of playoff chances. But what I want to know is why Cincinnati is only the four seed. And I know you might think, oh, they're the AAC, they don't play anybody, and that's what everybody says. But the, Alabama is the three seed, and everyone's like, oh, well, they have Cincinnati has no good wins, or they're not beating bad teams by enough. Alabama played Florida and beat them by two, and we've seen now that Florida barely even got bowl eligible, and they were losing to Sanford at half. Like, they almost lost that game to the FCS Sanford. And you look at Alabama's wins, their only good win really was Arkansas was not bad. They only won by one score, and their Ole Miss win. But they lost to Texas A&M, who at the time were unranked. We, we realize they're better now. But it took four OTs to beat Auburn, and Auburn is not that good. They don't even have their starting quarterback. Bo Nix was out. And then Cincinnati has beat SMU, who was ranked for most of the year. I mean, they're not a spectacular team, but they waxed them. It was 48-0 at one point, and then they had the scrubs in, and 14 points got scored. They still beat them by 34, and they beat Notre Dame by 11, so that's at least two scores. That was at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is the number six team in the nation currently. So you can't even tell me that Cincinnati doesn't have enough good wins. They have better wins than Alabama does, arguably. I mean, I'm not as well-versed as I said previously, um, but I, I agree, I think. With what you, the stats you just said and the wins, uh, I I have to agree with you. I like a good underdog story, so I'm here for it. This coming week, with all of the conference championships and everything, I want to see Alabama lose, Cincinnati stomp all over Houston, and then I want to see Oklahoma State beat Baylor, and I want to see a college football playoffs of Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati at the three seed. Oklahoma State at the four seed. You know, honestly, Michigan plays Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. I'm okay with Iowa stomping all over Michigan because then Michigan doesn't get in, and then I want to see pure chaos. I would I would love it if Cincinnati was a two seed and Oklahoma State was a three seed. They play each other, and we don't even know who the four seed is. Does Notre Dame get in, even though they don't play a, a championship in a championship game? Does Ohio State somehow get in? I doubt Ohio State gets in. There's yeah. There almost has to be no way. Cincinnati... I think Michigan has to get stomped on by Iowa. Alabama has to get stomped on by Georgia. And Cincinnati has to lose to Houston. Really? Yes. I think that's the only way that Ohio State gets in. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it, how it progresses. But I really, really want to see Cincinnati pull something crazy out. I would, I would love to see Cincinnati pull something yeah, the uh, how crazy would it be if they pulled it out? Yes. Realistically, 
don't even know. Like, it's unprecedented. A group of five team has never really even gotten major consideration, much less made the CFP. It's just, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I want to see it happen, but it's just one of those that you don't, you just don't really know. Because there aren't really like a ton of a common, common opponents between Georgia, who's the team that stands in their way, and honestly, Georgia's head and shoulders of uh, head and head and shoulders above everyone this year. But you know, time will tell. So, uh, you want to move on over to MLB news we've got so far? Yeah, we can. Um, you want to start with awards? Yeah, we'll start it off with awards. Um, let's take a look. So, I mean, Bryce Harper, MVP, Shohei Otani, MVP. Unanimous MVP. Unanimous MVP. I had some people, mainly my brother, saying, <laughs> Shohei Otani doesn't even deserve to be MVP. And to that I say, you're smoking dick if you don't think that Shohei Otani did not deserve to be the unanimous MVP. And the crazy part is, he set the bar so high this year. He pitched, I think, like 120, 130 innings, had a 3.05 ERA, somewhere in that range, right around 3.1. And three is still a like very good ERA. Like that will win you ball games. And he did that on the mound. And then also went out and smacked 40 home runs and slugged over 600. Like this dude made the all-star game as a pitcher and a hitter. It's ridiculous. There is absolutely heard of. There is absolutely no reason that anyone should have gotten a first place vote over Shohei Otani, and they didn't. So I applaud the voters because they got one right. What about Harper? I know that there were a lot of guys wanting Soto, and I think he wanted Soto. I mean, I love Soto. I wanted Juan Soto to win. Um, Do you think he deserved to win? No. I looked at so I at the time I was thinking. I think Soto should win this, but then I went back and right before the decision was announced, and I went back and looked at some of the peripherals, some of the the st- like advanced stats, the sabermetrics. I looked at just you know like OPS, home runs, and I I, I do think that Bryce Harper should be winning. But I, I respect somebody that can go against their will and who they might initially want to say or like from their liking. And see stats and whatnot, and say, "Hey, maybe I was wrong." And the, the guy really did deserve it. Mm-hmm. I respect that. So, uh, honestly, honestly, the uh, the Cy Young voting. Um, what did you think of that? I'm gonna go ahead and say that I, I really thought that Robbie Ray was going to win, and I was right. I, re- I didn't think Garrett Cole was going to do it. I thought it was between those two, and I'm like, okay, I, I feel like it has to be Robbie Ray. And Robbie Ray did it. Looking at the NL, that was the closest out of all of the awards, in my opinion. I don't know. Max Scherzer was dominant. Corbin Burns was good all year. Zach Luther was a workhorse. But I, I thought it was going to be Wheeler, honestly. But the voters went. Corbin Burns showed that. Maybe being a workhorse isn't as important in terms of the voting, so maybe managers reflect that in usage coming up. I think that the Phillies only did it this year with Wheeler out of necessity because their bullpen was so bad. And they're like, if we have a starter that's willing and able to go this far, why not? Because our alternative is butt cheeks. True. 
I, I like Burns. I like the pick. Uh, voters. I think voters got it right, so shout out to them. Um, I think Burns is nasty. Yep, Burns is good. Burns is very good. That Brewers starting rotation is quite fantastic. So now let's get into the Silver Sluggers and the Gold Gloves. And I would just like to say that I think these awards, or at least the nominations, are absolutely ridiculous. Because if you take a look at who won the AL shortstop gold glove, yeah, it, was, it was Carlos Correa. And you know, sure, Carlos Correa had his best fielding season, whatnot, whatnot, etc., etc. But Nicky Lopez had the best traditional fielding stats. He had less errors and a better fielding percentage than Carlos Correa. And if you look at the stat cast, like the saver metrics for fielding, like defensive runs saved and outs above average, he was higher than Correa in that too, if I'm not mistaken. Like this dude has better in almost every single statistic, whether it's the traditional ones or if it's the more saver metric ones that are like coming into play now. And he's, he wasn't even nominated. The same thing happened to him last year. It was just ridiculous. And now another thing that I want to point out is that Justin Turner of the Dodgers was nominated as a Silver Slugger Silver Slugger finalist for second base. And now I'll admit Justin Turner was good. Maybe he deserved a little bit of recognition. He didn't play a single inning at second base. How can he be a finalist for a position he didn't even play? <laughs> that... I don't understand that at all. I don't That'd understand like if I was like, an award for a position you don't play. Exactly. Like, I'd be like, bro, catcher this year, Silver Slugger, watch out for Juan Soto. Like, damn, bro, he went off. It's stupid as hell. So dumb. And then, I, in the gold gloves again, let me take a look here. They weren't even, weren't even going to give love to Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is one of the best fielding players in the game. Again, got no love. American League, Joey Gallo was nominated as a DH candidate. That was not, he, he barely even played there. Like, I don't understand how they're going to keep nominating people for positions that they don't even play. Joey Gallo played, I think it was like max 40 games. I, I'm looking it up right now, but not enough to warrant that he got that. And... Let's take a look. This year at DH, he played three games. Three games he played, unless this is, okay, no. 14 games he played. 14 games he played at DH, and he was a silver slugger. And he absolutely sucked with the Yankees. Like, you're going to tell me that, like, a 190 average for the entire second half of the year and one hot stretch in July is going to get you a silver slugger candidate for a position you don't even play. It's wow. ridiculous. Yep. How about the uh, Cardinals defense showing their uh, worth with Gold Glove winners? They won five, and I think they should have won six. I, I'm not a Cardinals fan. Yeah. Quite honestly, Cardinals hater. Root against them actively. If you go back home, I'm not gonna like that. And guess who gives a fuck? Raise your hand if you give a fuck. For those of you at home listening, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> so I think I think Bader. O'Neal, Arenado, Edmund, and Goldschmidt were... I think they deserved it. They were fine choices. I think that Yachty should have won over Jacob Stallings. 
I agree with that too. It is Yachty very different. Yachty ages like a fine wine, man. Mm-hmm. He really does. I mean, not much more to say about that man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, this made me think of this again. We're talking about the catching gold gloves. The AL gold gloves, Salvador Perez was ranked or was one of the finalists for the gold glove as a catcher. If you look at any form of advanced advanced metric, like sabermetrics for fielding at catcher, he is by far the worst out of any starting catcher. Like, for it, outs above average, framing runs saved. This dude is ranking like 35th in the MLB. There are backup catchers that are better fielders than this guy at the most important defensive position, and he's getting nominated as a finalist, as being one of the three best in the league. I feel like that just goes to show that gold gloves are kind of a joke. And that right there is why I believe that Yadier Molina should not be in the Hall of Fame because people hold so much weight in the fact that he is one of the greatest defenders, one of the greatest catchers. Well, gold gloves are a joke. I mean, sure, it's like, oh, yeah, he won however many, but look at all the past people that are winning, all the past people that have been nominated. It just shows that it's like, okay, this is fucking stupid. I mean... I would agree with you that people put a lot of weight on gold gloves. Especially in Yachty's case. Especially Yachty's case. Um, but, I mean, to some extent, you got to respect it. To some extent, I mean... I mean, I respect it. I'm not saying that it holds as much weight as other people yeah, think I, it does. For sure. I mean, definitely... People definitely put more... Into it, or what it's weight in gold is not what it's actually worth, if that's what makes sense. Okay. Um, now, the MLB Hall of Fame that is getting underway, some ballots are starting to be released. One of the first ballots, I think it was the first ballot actually that got released, Dallas Braden quoted it on Twitter. The, this, this ballot in particular voted for Bobby Abreu, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton. Andrew Jones, David Ortiz, Andy Pettit, Manny Ramirez, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa. And now you look, you listen to that, and you're like, oh, yeah, those guys are good players. Notable players left off that list. Barry Bonds, Billy Wagner, and Alex Rodriguez. Now, how is Barry Bonds not voted for? I mean, that's the thing, because people are like, oh, Barry Bonds, you know, he took HGH, he used steroids, A-Rod, used steroids. This guy voted for Kurt Schilling and Sammy Sosa and Roger Clemens. It's quite clear he doesn't care about PEDs. If he doesn't care about PEDs, he's smoking dick if he's not going to put Barry Bonds on that. Barry Bonds needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Even if people want to say he doesn't deserve to be, he doesn't deserve to be because of his potential steroid usage. He didn't even actually test positive, by the way. It was just rumored. But you can take his career before he was rumored to do it, and he's still a Hall of Famer. It's absurd. We were going over some of his stats at my Thanksgiving because I kind of brought up this same point that Barry Bonds doesn't deserve to get hated on the the way he does. And if you just take a look at Barry Bonds' baseball reference page. Like, you just, you're like, oh my God. This dude hit, in 2001, 73 bombs, 177 walks drawn, 
328 batting average, 515 on base percentage, 863 slugging. His OPS that year was 1379. I saw a stat at the beginning of the year when Yasmani Grandal was batting sub 200 and his on base percentage was really high because he drew a ton of walks. It was like the biggest discrepancy between batting average and on base percentage for one season. That discrepancy for Yasmani at that point would have been second of all time to Barry Bonds. In that season, Barry Bonds still batted like 370. Yeah. In 2004, that's that's what that is. 2004, Barry Bonds bets 362. His on-base percentage that year, I seriously can't think of another word except preposterous. That is seriously the only word that adequately describes this 609 on-base percentage. People say that great baseball players get hits 3 out of 10 times. I think that a great baseball player gets on base because that's how you win runs, and that might be a money ball mindset that I have, but he's getting on base six out of ten times. This guy is getting on base more often than he is getting out. That is ridiculous. And I know that, like I said, that the gold gloves don't hold as much weight. I will agree. But people, their knock on Barry Bonds might also be that, like, oh, he used steroids, or maybe he was like he was a great hitter, but what did he do fielding? He still won eight gold gloves. So, I mean, I mean, like I said, they don't hold as much weight as they... I think that they hold too much weight, but he can't be an absolutely piss-poor fielder and win eight gold gloves because at that point, the reporters are just out of their goddamn mind if they're doing that. I think that they make mistakes here and there that show that the award is not as prestigious as it should be, but you cannot repeatedly give the award to someone who's absolutely just terrible in the field. I would agree. I mean, it's like it's like giving a defensive player of the year award to somebody that... Kyrie Irving. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it has to hold some weight. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, with the defensive player of the year, that's literally the best defensive player in the entire game. Really the gold gloves are giving it to the... Position. Yeah, yeah, but they're giving it to one position in each league, and they're doing three finalists, you know? they announced, fair, The NBA fair. announces three finalists for the entire league. The MLB is doing three finalists per position per league. Very fair. But... I'm going to um, get into uh, some free agency, um, re-signings, movement. Just, yeah. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, your boy Corey Seager? Yeah... No longer a Dodger, which uh, is a sad day. I was actually asked the other day, does it sting to see Scherzer and Seeger leave? Yes and no, because I kind of prepared myself for them to not be coming back. I thought we had a better chance at Scherzer because, I mean, we have infield depth. We have Lux that we're able to fit in with Seeger's absence now. But we had big contracts that we didn't want to go out and give Seager 10 years, $330 million, $320 million, I think is somewhere in that range is what he got. I mean, obviously he's deserving of that, but I didn't think the Dodgers wanted to give that big of a contract, and they didn't. So that's what I was expecting. Scherzer, I thought we had a chance to get back, but I did not expect the Mets to come in and swoop him like that. I'm very I glad was, they did. 
very well deserved. I was honestly looking for the Angels. I was thinking that the Angels are going to go out and show Otani, show Trout, show Rendon, maybe even Jared Walsh, that they're looking to build up their pitching staff and that they are serious about contending. And they went and got Aaron Loop. They went and got no Syndergaard, which are quality signings. But I think if they would have made a huge splash, they would have been... They could not be taken lightly after that. Marcus Stroman is still available. Carlos Rodon, two of the higher starting pitchers uh, value that you can get. And I think that maybe the Angels are players and one of them, but you never know. Maybe the Angels are content with where they're at, but we'll see. I am very hopeful um, not to jinx myself after I jinxed the bias signing. He did jinx the bias signing yesterday. We were in the car, and he was talking about the Mets and how, oh, we're going to be so good this year because he's a Mets fan. He's like, we're going to be so good this year. We don't have a hole in the team. We got in the infield, we got Escobar, Polar Pete. We got Lindor. We got Baez. And I was quick to remind him, don't forget, Baez is a free agent. He goes, he goes, come on now. I go, what do you mean? He's like, there's no way Baez is leaving. Baez is 100% signing back to the Mets. And I go, I wouldn't say 100%. He goes, for sure, coming back to the Mets. And I go, don't get too ahead of yourself there, man. The Mets, al- Mets always have all that optimism just to come tumbling down and pissing the bed. And he goes, I am going to keep that optimism, say 100% he signs back. Not five hours later, it's reported that he signs a seven-year deal. It was definitely more than five hours later. What time were we in the car that you said that? Yesterday? Yes. What time would you say we were in the car? Nine. We were in the car at nine o'clock. He signed his deal at midnight. Three hours later, Tough. that he signed a seven-year deal with the Tigers. Or at least that it was reported that he was very close. Maybe it was this morning <clears throat> that he actually officially signed it, but it was reported around midnight here that he yeah. was very close to signing. Kind of shot myself in the foot on that one. Yep. Didn't feel very good. I also just invested in a Javi Baez Mets jersey, so mm-hmm. still going to rock it. No shame. No shame. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm the one that pushed him over the edge, but I don't believe I am because he doesn't know who the hell Caleb Durley is. Never um, know. Never know. But I am proud of our signing of uh, Serger. Um, Serger, sorry, said it wrong. Starling Marte is huge, Starling Marte and Eduardo Escobar. That's huge. I mean, Escobar is not as huge. It's still, he's, he's, like, it's a quality signing. Exactly, quality signing. Not, I'm not quality saying it's going to be like a star-studded signing. Starling Marte was a very good signing, especially with Conforto not for sure coming back. I don't know. And Kana. What? Yeah, Kana, very quality. Mark Kana is a very good – Mark Kana, Mark Kana. I don't know how some people say it. I've always said Kana. I just repeated Kana, though, because he said it. But Mark Kana, very good player. Very solid. I feel like people don't give him – the recognition that he deserves. If we get Stroman back, that's going to be big time. I don't that, think they do. You don't think they no, do? No, I don't. Where do you think he goes? Like I said, I'd like to see the Angels make a play. Um, I could see I could see the Blue Jays. Look, I know they already to, signed to Kevin Gosman, but I've seen that they might be interested. That was before Gosman, so maybe they're not anymore. But maybe the Mariners are looking to bolster their pitching staff a little bit more after they signed Robbie Ray. I don't know if they're willing to shell that money out for another pitcher because they need help in their lineup. I've seen that the Mariners are linked to Chris Bryant, but I think that would be really cool if the Mariners
going to sign Chris Bryant and then just take the lead by storm next year. They got eliminated on the last day of the season this year, and they were not expected to finish anywhere near that. And now they're adding a, the Cy Young from this past year. And if they add Chris Bryant, a former MVP, and they traded for Adam Frazier, who was an all-star this year, they could make some waves. Don't know if it's going to happen. Maybe this year was just a fluke, but I would like to see it. That'd be pretty cool. Yes, um, it would. We're going to transition into the last segment, the Pop Man Out segment. Not yet, not yet. Not I just yet. want to say that there are still some notable free agents out there, you know, with the CBA lockout impending. Um, I think that some people might not sign for a hot minute, maybe when we get back from the lockout. But Correa, still a huge name out there. Freddie Freeman, they would, seemed almost like it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to re-sign with the Braves. And now we are a month after the season, and he still hasn't signed. So maybe that goes to show that they're not on as close of terms as everyone thought they might be. Um, Clayton Kershaw, another name, Dodger legend, future Hall of Famer. He has not signed back signed back either, and I know I said that Scherzer and Seager did not sting as much as it probably should have, but if Kershaw leaves, I will be devastated as a Dodgers fan. Maybe he joins the Rangers with Seager and Semyon. I don't know. He's from Dallas, so he's from the area. Maybe a team that they're looking to win now. I'm not sure, but... I I would be very upset if Kershaw left. That would suck to see. What are your thoughts on uh, the potential for Correa to, to join the Dodgers? I I there is no potential for that. I know that it was a meme. People were like the world ended this happen. Either I, there's no potential. Say in a world that does happen, what are your thoughts? In this world, does the Trastro scandal still happen? Yes. I would obviously still root for the Dodgers to win, but I would be – he would definitely be my least favorite player on the team. I would like him <laughs> I would like him a little bit more than I do now, just not a lot. Because it would be one thing if it – like, I don't like Altuve either. I'm not a big Bregman guy, but it would be one thing if he was just kind of like, a, oh, he did it, but he wasn't a big part of it. He was a big part of it, and he was an absolute fucking dickhead about it afterwards too. And he continues to be a dickhead. So, you know, I like some dudes that have a little bit of fire. Some dudes that, you know, might be a little bit of that guy that people are like, man, fuck this guy whenever they think. Like a Manny Machado or a Correa. You know, I like that if they're on your team. So maybe I'd be like, okay, you know, we got that guy that you don't want, maybe you don't want to mess with. Or like those dudes that are like cocky but know that they're actually good. But he's just a downright dickhead. Great way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) Now we can transition into the new segment of, not the new segment, but into Uh, the revisioned, yes, revised segment of Podman Out. Last episode, we did it as where if there was a player or a team or anyone that we felt that needed to be highlighted, that we could do that in this segment. But this time, we are going to do it where... We, had, we are given a list of people, a multiple choice list, and we have to pick the odd man out. Whether it is a team or a player that's, I don't know, It's you can, it can be either. Shout out to my brother Cole, he was the one that gave us the idea for this one. 
But uh, why don't you go ahead and ask me? So ask me first. We got so the, it's a for, for clarification. Basically, there will be a prompt mm-hmm. say which one of these players did not ever hit three thirty in their career, mm-hmm. and you have to pick the odd man out or pod man out. Yeah. So I'll go first. Um, this is a team, not a specific player, but the question is, which NBA team leads, holds the record for points scored in a half with 107 points scored in a half? Is it the Los Angeles Lakers, the Chicago Bulls, the Cleveland Cavaliers, or the Phoenix Suns? I'm going to go Cavaliers. Not the Cavaliers. I just had a feeling the whole time that I'm like, I feel like it's the Cavaliers. And you said it, and I was like, okay, it's Cavaliers. It is, in fact, the Phoenix Suns. That was going to be my next guess. They scored 107 points versus, I believe, the Denver Nuggets in 1990-1991 season. They scored 50 points in the first quarter and 57 points in the second quarter. That's some good weight. It is. And they ended the game with 173 points. Solid second half, you know. That's exactly what you're hoping out of a second half where you put up 107 in the first half. Uh-huh. Not actually. You're really wanting to see a blowout where you put up 200. That's exactly what you want if you're a fan. But I mean, I'm sure they're rooting for it. Yeah. All right. What is your question for me? All right. Myself. First, first question for me. Um, who has never been an NBA All-Star out of these five players? Doc Rivers, Horace Grant, Richard Jefferson... Kyle Lowry or Christian Leitner? Can you repeat the first three names? Doc Rivers, Horace Grant, and Richard Jefferson. I have a. I know Christian Leitner is a one-time All-Star. I know Kyle Lowry has been an All-Star six times. Well, who's the second name again? Horace Grant. Horace Grant. I know if he was an all-star, I feel like it would have had to have been on the Magic because he was overshadowed by Pippen and Jordan and Rodman, obviously. I don't, was Rodman on the team? No, he wasn't. He was still on the Pistons. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think Rodman um, Doc Rivers is where I'm not sure because I don't know much about him as a player. As a player. Um, I feel, for some reason, as when... Uh, when Austin Rivers was drafted, they mentioned his dad not only being a coach, but being a maybe a two-time All-Star with the Hawks. So I'm going to go Horace Grant. You're going Horace Grant? That is incorrect. It is actually Richard Jefferson. God dang it. Richard Jefferson has never been an All-Star. I was going to do, not, I was going to do K-Mart. Not Kenyon Martin, but Kevin Martin. Ooh. 17 and forgotten. A half. He's a forgotten player. Yeah, he's, he averaged 17 and a half points a game for his career. Never an all-star. Never like a single accolade. This dude's just like, dude, like <laughs> player, player of the week, but dude was a solid <clears throat> effort. All right, my next question is <clears throat> which NCAA basketball team led in blocking percentage from 2002 to 2012 according to the Bleacher Report, with a 15.2% block percentage of opponents' two-point field goals. 
You gonna give me the options? Yes. Okay. The options are Kentucky, UNC, Georgetown, UConn, or UCLA. See, I was thinking Georgetown at first when you said it because I was like, I feel like it's an obscure team. Why would you throw them in? Because it's normally when you think you're, you're like Kentucky, Duke, UNC, Kansas. But then you said UConn and UCLA. Now I'm like, shit, maybe he wasn't just picking random teams or a random team just throwing there. But I don't know. Kentucky's always got good players. They had Boogie. They had AD. UNC had... Tyler Hands was what I can think of. I don't remember him being some sort of monster rim protector. Granted, I was young. Um, trying to think of players that Roy Haber went to Georgetown, right? Yes. So Roy Haber was probably UConn. I don't even think I can think of him. Emeka Okafor is all I can think of from UConn, right? He went to UConn, didn't he? I am going to have to go with Kentucky. I feel like it's just a safe choice. That is incorrect. The answer is UConn. Ah. Damn. Really? Uh, headed by Hilton Armstrong, Josh Boone, Andre Drummond, uh, Amika see, Okafor. See, I didn't think that Andre Drummond was in college at that mm-hmm. time. I thought he got out after that point. Like I thought it was like 2014 he got drafted. And Hashim Nabi. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, when you get a 7'6", dude, or however <laughs> fucking tall he is, 7'3", whatever the hell, it's going to be easy to block a lot of shots. I mean, I guess I forgot about him, but... um, All right, last question. Which one of these players was not a first overall pick in the NBA draft? Okay. Elgin Baylor, Kareem Hunt, Hot Rod Hundley. Did you say Kareem Hunt? I'm sorry, I saw Kareem. <laughs> I, meant, I saw Kareem, and I was going down. I meant, I meant Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My apologies. Yeah, that's what kind of hit. Yeah, bro. Best kicker in NFL history. All right. Let me start over. Okay. Elgin Baylor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hot Rod Hunley, Oscar Robertson, and Isaiah Thomas. I feel like he threw Hot Rod Henry or Hunley or whatever his name is to throw me off because you'd think that that's an obscure name and I don't really know who that is, but I'm pretty sure he was in the world. You're pretty sure he's number one pick? Yeah, so I'm eliminating him. Okay. Name name where he went to college. West Virginia. He's a West Virginia product. That's probably why you put it in there. That is why I put it in there. <clears throat> um, Isaiah Thomas was not a first overall pick. He was the third overall pick. That is incorrect. Are you joking? Isaiah Thomas was the second overall pick. Not a first overall pick. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying he, said he was the third overall pick. I'm saying he wasn't the first overall pick. Yeah, but I was saying your statement that he was a third overall pick was. So I got the answer right. You got the answer right, but you okay, got that, the that's right position wrong. Elgin Baylor and Lou Alcindor, as he was known when he was drafted, and Oscar Robertson were both indeed. I think those were some good questions to start. Yeah, yeah. We'll try to switch it up. Uh, do this version of Podman Out, every so often the other version of Podman Out, the times that we don't do this one. For um, sure. But, you know, it was, felt good to be back on the pod. Sorry for the little hiatus we had to take. 
Yeah, I was hibernating like a bear back right before winter. Stock up all my food. Yeah. Rightfully so. Uh-huh. But thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, and we'll put, an op- put out an episode when we can. So yeah, uh, we'll see you next time. We'll catch you on the flippity flip.